You take a sip of my drink. Don't want a cold mocha. Would you like a sip? No. I want to pour it over your head. <laughs> Fucking hell. Fucking hell he has. I bid you welcome. I want to play a game. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. Let them see what kind of a person I am. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Hey folks, my name is Will. My name is Yaz. And welcome to the Monster Monday podcast. This is the weekly podcast where myself and Yaz talk about a horror film every single Monday. And Yaz, why do we talk about horror films? Because the monsters in film aren't as scary as the monsters in real life. And it's December. It's December. It's nearly Christmas time. Yay! Yeah, three weeks till Christmas. I know, it's spooky. It's scary that we're so close to the end of this turbulent year. But we've gonna, we're going to bring you some Christmas joy here on the Monster Monday podcast because... This week and next, myself and Yaz have chosen some very special festive horror films to talk about. We're not going to spin the wheel, we've chosen our own ones. Yaz, what have you picked for us this Monday? So, the film that I have picked mm. is not a very well-known film. Mm. It's a little indie flick, but it is a great ride. Yeah. It is Anna and the Apocalypse. So this was a film, it came out in 2017... It played at some horror festivals and got a limited release in the UK. But we first, at least I first heard of it when you brought it up in 2018. You mentioned it to me, I think. Yeah, I think I said I wanted to get it. Mm. Because I was like, I've heard about this film. It sounds like my kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a musical with zombies. Yes. Uh, So we tried to find uh, a copy of this film. I remember like in 2018 looking on Amazon, HMV, couldn't find it. Searched high, searched low. Then I'm just doing a shop at Tesco one day, and there's the DVD for a fiver just on the shelf. So I bought it there and then, watched it, had a great time, and then they did a special like director's cut extended edition Blu-ray release the year after, which is the version that we recently just watched. So it, it was one of those like limited uh, special edition releases because this is quite a niche film. This is not, uh, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if many people listening to this had watched it or heard of it. But this this comes to us from director John McPhail, but the main reason that, well, the main person you probably know talking about Anna and the Apocalypse is its co-writer and one of its producers, Ryan McHenry, who 10 years ago was just, uh, was bursting onto the Scottish uh, indie scene. For his final university project, he made a uh, a musical short film called Zombie Musical. You can still watch this on, on YouTube. It's online for people to watch. But it's basically... A high school musical, but what if Zac Efron got eaten by a zombie? That that was the the elevator pitch that Ryan worked on to get this film done. They locally crowdsourced, got about £7,000 to make this 20-minute short film, and it ends up getting some industry attention. It was nominated for some Scottish BAFTAs. They filmed this in Glasgow, and they got a feature film deal, which is Anna and the Apocalypse. And one of the reasons you might know about Ryan McHenry is that many of his uh, vines went viral, where... He was trying to feed Ryan Gosling some cereal through a TV screen, but he keeps on turning his head or turning away. And these are very fun vines. You can watch these online as well. However, in 2013, uh, Ryan got diagnosed with a form of bone cancer. And he he met the challenge with uh, great good humour. You, you can find his tweets of him uh, tweeting from his hospital bed. He thought that he had um, that he was cured in 2014. There were some celebra- celebratory tweets back then. 
However, in 2015, he was uh, he uh, the cancer came back and he passed away in 2015, uh, leaving this film and the apocalypse halfway through pre-production. The rest of the crew were able to pick up where he left off, and this got released in 2017. And the film is dedicated to Ryan's memory. Rightly so. Mm, absolutely, yeah, and yeah, it, it's an absolute shame to lose someone uh, so young. He was in his. Uh, in his mid-twenties when he passed away and was di- diagnosed with bone cancer. I think we can, of course, say here, fuck cancer. Uh, and, we're, and, yeah, that's unfortunately uh, the, uh, the the background of this but film. But what a great concept he came up with. Absolutely. And that will be his legacy. Absolutely. And the film got, got over the finish line, played at Fantastic Fest in 2017, and has become a bit of a cult classic. And we're talking about it, of course, here today. Uh, and I think this is a film that's going to make our festive rotation as well. It's a, a recent film that we're going to add to the films that we watch every December. Yeah, it's um, it's great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I would check it out if you can. Um, you won't be disappointed. Absolutely. Uh, so there are two versions of this. The plot synopsis I've got is the original 90-minute cut, but we have watched the director's cut. It's about 10 minutes longer. Some of the songs are longer. There's an extra song and a few insert shots and stuff. But we'll just talk about those as we come to them. So, let's talk about Anna and the Apocalypse. Christmas means joyful living. Christmas means family. Christmas means present giving. Beneath the Christmas tree. So, in this film that's been described as Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land... Uh, It's set in Scotland in Little Haven, where Anna, played by Ella Hunt, is being driven to school by her father, Tony, played by Mark Benton, and also joined by Anna's best friend, John, played by Malcolm Cumming. Over the radio, they hear news reports of a virus strain having mutated and become a lethal pathogen. In the director's cuts, the radio broadcast is saying that the local Santa has been taken ill and is stuck in bed with the flu. So it's it's a random change to the opening. Um... I've got to say, though, watching this film whilst we're in a current pandemic was quite a different view. Yes, you could say this film was very ahead of its time. Yeah. I've written down some of the choice quotes as well. We'll get to those shortly. But watching a zombie film in a pandemic is, oh, it's quite an experience. However, Anna just changes the radio station so they can listen to Christmas music. They make small talk about next year, with Anna heading to university, but John having not heard back from any potential art school. There's a Christmas show that night at the school, but Anna's working so she can pay off her gap year that she's wanting to take. But Anna's dad didn't know that, so John has dropped her right in it. In the school car park, her dad tries to talk her out of travelling and wasting her life, and he even drops the, if your mother could see you now, line, which is the last straw for Anna who heads inside. So this is the cliche, we're going to part on bad terms and we have to find each other again at the end. Yeah, but, but it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, it's realistic as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. One thing that que- that confuses me about this film though is that everyone's in a school uniform, but they're at college. Do, college, do you get uniform colleges? Well, I don't know if they are at college. Because well, they talk about going to university next year. Oh yeah, that's true. Maybe they're in sixth form. Uh, maybe that's, yeah, maybe it could be, or maybe it is. Um... So, six form over here is you could, you decide to spend two year, an extra two years at school rather than going to a college, yeah. which is like 
How would you describe that for Americans? Because it's not university. It's like high school, isn't it? High school is second. I, I forget. No, high, high school, school is, is college, secondary isn't it? school. No. no, high school is secondary school, like the same, but they stay until they're eighteen. Whereas here, we leave secondary school, high school mm-hmm. at sixteen. You can either go get a job, go to two more years worth of education, but a different. Um, Different establishments. Different establishments. So you get something called A-levels, which means you can then go on to then do university, which is after that, which is your college. But our college is the step in between that. Mm. But you can also stay on at sixth form, (laughs) which means you stay at your school and do an extra two years and do your A-levels there instead of going to a different education. I think you got that right. I th- but I, yeah, I think you're right. They are at sixth form because my brother went to sixth form for two years and I went to college. So yeah, there is that route and then you go to university. So yeah, that, ex- that explains why they're in their school uniform. Plus the idea of zombie apocalypse in your school uniform is uh, it's kind of like living the dream as well for a younger audience, I bet. So in the school reception, Steph, played by Sarah Swire, is on the phone leaving her girlfriend the latest of many voicemails saying that she'd like to spend Christmas with her. But her mood is made worse by John coming in and knocking over her charity display, giving presents to the homeless. Well, no, her mood is made worse by her girlfriend pretty much saying no. Well, yeah. Or whatever, and then he comes and knocks over. Yeah, so her parents have gone to Mexico, leaving her uh, uh, behind in Scotland, basically. I think she's an exchange student. I, I couldn't quite uh, quite pin down the accents, but that's because I've got a terrible ear for accents. Hurtling down the corridor is assistant headmaster... Arthur Savage, played by Paul Kay, nitpicking all of the Christmas displays before running into Steph asking her to drop the homeless news story from the school newspaper slash blog, arguing that the council won't like the story and the council is in charge of their budgets. Arthur is a bit power hungry because the current headmaster, Mr Gill, is about to retire, leaving Arthur in charge and she also confiscates Steph's car keys. As Anna wistfully looks at her Australia plane ticket and a road map she's drawn up for her trip, she bursts into song, which takes us to Breakaway, where Anna, John and Steph join in singing about wanting to get out of their ruts. Trapped in a moment, ready to slide. you my This is basically the, if, you, if, you, if you've watched the Disney films, they've got the I Want song at the beginning, where Belle from Beauty and the Beast wants adventure in the Great Wide <laughs> somewhere. It, it's, the, it's the classic um, I, I Want to Break Free and Get Out of This Place song from Disney films. So in the school hall where they're setting up the Christmas show, Anna finds Lisa, played by Marley Sue, getting her costume fitted. Arthur also takes to the stage to announce that due to many students calling in sick, the running order has to change. And he says this is great. Hand sanitizer is your friend. Kissing on the mouth is not. Oh, that hits home. It, it really <laughs> did. It really did. Like, Savage is the bad guy in this film, but, you know, sometimes the worst people speak the most sense. Uh, he's also almost knocked over by a large star decoration that comes loose from its cable. After watching Savage yell at some penguins outside, Anna sees Nick, played by Ben Wiggins, bullying another student by throwing mince pies at her. Oh, we've all had one of those twats at school. I had a... There's a fucking twat at my school. Yeah. It was 
Yeah, he looked about 40 <laughs> while he was in high school. Yeah. And <laughs> he honestly did. Yeah. And he was so horrible. And he threw, he used to like throw sandwiches at people. And yeah. like he threw one at me once and it hit me. And it hits you. Hits in your school uniform and stuff like that. It's fucking gross. And then mm. they stand there laughing like a bunch of beep. No, <laughs> um, nah, we're all adults here. But yeah, um but basically, school is hell, and those who say yeah. otherwise are the ones who made it hell. And those that wish to go back to school, it's only because they've done nothing else with their fucking life. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and they were the bullies at school. Yeah, well, well, there's the whole psychological issue of people, like, peaking at high school and or at the school yeah. and college and stuff because they were popular. Exactly. And then, and then they get out, and it's like, what the hell? Oh, okay, the real world works very differently to school, doesn't it? Oh, thank God, because I fucking hated school. <laughs> but, um, so Nick is, uh, is kind of the jock character, but he's clearly into Anna. But his terrible chat-up lines, he calls himself a sexy, a sexy child, uh, which doesn't go down And then well. realises, oh wait, actually, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> so you're acting like a child, a sexy child. Wait a minute. Uh, so those are interrupted by Anna's dad, Tony, who's also the school caretaker. And we also later learn that Anna and Nick had a one-night stand uh, quite recently, much to Anna's embarrassment. At lunch, Anna, John and Lisa are also joined by Chris, played by Christopher Laveau, Lisa's boyfriend, and the two awkwardly kiss for a very long time across the dinner table. Steph arrives and asks Chris if he'll help her film a video about the homelessness problem in the area, with Chris promising to be done in time with the video to watch Lisa perform at the Christmas show. John also joins many other of the unrequited lovers in the canteen, singing a song lamenting that there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. And this is basically the high school musical uh, group number that takes place in the canteen. You can definitely see where the inspirations are. Yeah. It's a, it's a good But it's tune. definitely British. <laughs> uh, yes, it's much smaller. and Yeah, it's a much smaller canteen. But it, it, it's... Yeah, I, I, this is a really good. It's not as number. glossy, but I like that about it. Oh uh, yeah, it does feel like down to earth and like British. Uh, yeah, very British and very. Grounded. It's not over exaggerated. It's not like mm. I know that sounds weird in a musical number, but when you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, it's not Americanized. Yeah, the colours are a bit more muted. And yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah, I, and I like that about it. It doesn't make it doesn't make it feel very. It doesn't make it feel artificial, which is a really hard thing to do for musicals. Um, so yeah, there is no such thing as a Hollywood ending, except for Lisa and Chris, who are very much in love and are kissing and hugging and holding each other all the time, saying how much they love each other. Ah, oh, teenage love. No, they're, they're the power it's couple. Strong. It's a strong thing, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. There's no force in the universe stronger than that. No. So outside, Anna accidentally brushes past a zombie without noticing, and then we find her working at the local bowling alley, but John arrives, showing off his festive light-up jumper. Uh, that Yeah, that's absolutely me as well. I, I really connected with John. At the Christmas show, we find dancing penguins do... Yeah. At the Christmas show, we find dancing penguins... Why can't I say penguin? I sound like Benedict Cumberbatch. Pen. Penguins. 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 Why? penguins. I've never had difficulty saying this word. We find dancing penguins doing the fish rap. <laughs> You're right, yes? Is it me? <laughs> say it again. Penguins. 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 
<laughs> yeah, penguins. I'm, it's one of those words you say. You've said it too much that now it sounds funny whenever it, you say it. Anyway, they're doing the fish wrap, which is a terrific number. My favourite dish is fish, mother flipper, and I eat it for the hell of it. A nice bit of halibut, that's not the only fish they got. Uh, but they do it to tepid applause, with Arthur slowly dying inside in the lighting booth with Tony. Lisa then takes to the stage to sing a festive love song to Santa called It's That Time of Year. And the audience don't know what to make of it, especially with the sec- uh, the sexy Santa dancers. Yeah, it's so... This just is... little kids in the audience and stuff. I mean, it, it's, um, it's very... There's a lack of presents in my stocking And my chimney needs a good unblocking Come on, Santa uh. <laughs> Let me tell you if you're feeling frozen stiff, my fire is burning hot for you. Before you just sit upon your lap, there's only one gift that I wanna unwrap when you're near. Well, it was supposed to be for her boyfriend, but he's not. <laughs> He's in not, the audience. He's not though. His grand well, nan is. Yes. So. So she's in the audience. But enjoying the show is Mr. Gill, the headmaster, uh, who claps at the end and is clearly enjoying the, the number, which is really funny. It's such a funny scene. It's that time of year. Come on, Santa, give it to me. While Chris's gran made it to the show, his reserved seat is empty. As Arthur heads down the corridor to drag her off stage, he walks past someone banging on the outside fire door. He opens them to find no one, but he fails to notice the blood splatters outside. After work, Anna and John take a walk in the snow-covered park and make snow angels lamenting their life choices. The next morning, Anna oversleeps and rushes outside, but not forgetting to open her advent calendar. And with headphones on, she sings and dances her way to school, with John doing the same, making his own way there as they both sing about turning their lives around. However, they're so wrapped up in their musical number, they don't notice that overnight a zombie apocalypse has started, with the walking dead, fleeing citizens and carnage all around them. I'm waking, spent too long playing dead. I'm shaking, these blues out of my head, not letting. Yeah, it's quite obvious that her best friend is in love with, in love with her. Yeah, and uh, an unrequited love here. But this is, um, I think, this is the big uh, selling point musical number where there's all the carnage around. There's a really grim joke about a zombie chasing a, a woman with her pram with a baby in it. The mum gets eaten, and then we get a cutaway shot of the zombie just eating something in the pram. And that is so grim, while Anna is just singing and dancing down the street listening to headphones. Completely oblivious. Yeah. This is a... That would be me, though, to be fair. Oh, absolutely. Think Shaun of the Dead, where Shaun is walking to the the shop around the room, and everything is happening around. Just imagine that, but it's a musical number. And I think that's that's a really clever idea for I mean, a musical. To be honest, number. it's a bit like walking through Piccadilly Gardens with everyone on Spice, anyway. It, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and if you got headphones on, you you'd have no idea what was happening around you. And sometimes it's for the best, just to 
Ignore all that. The two students converge at the local cemetery, only to come face to face with a zombie wearing a snowman outfit. So the the idea to make this a musical set at Christmas was a relatively last minute one. This was going to be a summertime musical. And then on Boxing Day, Ryan McHenry rings up the producers and the co-screenwriter and says, we should make this a Christmas film. And then they do they do a load of rewrites and say, yeah, we're going to turn this into a Christmas film. I think it works, though. It's cool as a Christmas film. Yeah, like, once you if you make a great Christmas film, you're kind of immortal, aren't you? Because you, you get onto the yearly rotation every single year. But it gives it a really cool flavour. Like, a zombie dressed up as a snowman, and we get zombie Santa later on, and all, and all of the festive cheer. So the snowman chases them to the local park, where Anna decapitates it with a seesaw, much to John's horror, as he recognises it as a zombie. Now, we talked about this in Train to Busan in that episode, whether or not zombies exist in the fiction of the film's universe. And it seems like in Anna and the Apocalypse, they do have fiction with zombies in them. So John does recognise it as a zombie. With no phone signal, they devise a plan to head to the school, as that's where their parents might be after last night's show. They plan to use the internet at their workplace, the bowling alley, as they have a set of keys. Meanwhile, at the school, the staff, students and parents are being holed up and are distributing canteen supplies to everyone. And in the director's cut, um, Mr. Savage is trying to sell them the, the canteen stock. Like, oh, everything's half price. Drinks are 50p. And there's also a, 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 a musical number that got cut out where Tony and Mr. Savage are like basically squaring off against each other. And the song is called Which Side Are You On? I think it's a cool song, but I think if you were to trim anything for time, I think that's the song. Oh, well, the dead. Yeah, <laughs> I've got. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's not a bad song, but I think I think um, they might have been. It's right basically just an argument between the teacher wanting to save himself and mm-hmm. them there, and the dad wanting to find his daughter and save other people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's trying to get everybody to stay so that he can remain in charge because he's got a. Uh, I don't know what the, what the name of the complex is, but he's very possessive of everybody around him, clearly, and he, he wants control and authority. Anna and John find Steph and Chris at the bowling alley, and they got there first because the back door was open. They were attacked by zombies at the local soup kitchen while filming their documentary, but they've already got the internet set up and watch Jackie Bird, a real-life BBC Scotland anchor playing herself, reporting on the outbreak on BBC News. On social media, it also turns out that Justin Bieber is a zombie and hashtag evac selfie is a thing. And they scroll down this webpage where people have taken photos of themselves with zombies uh, with the hashtag. Yeah, but come on, wouldn't you? If there was a zombie there, um, would you be like... I'd need to be... A, I would. I'd need to be 100% confident. I think I would. But, um, yeah, you... That's so realistic. It's yeah. it's a very pessimistic approach, but that would definitely be a thing. That yeah, but I don't necessarily think it's bad. Mm. I think photos are a great way of documenting things and memories and stuff like that. There's a cool emotional attachment. People have always taken photographs. Mm. It just hasn't always been on your phone. Yeah. It was just in a photo album. Yeah. So this, I hate this fucking new thing of people like, oh, people are so vain now. They're so obsessed <laughs> with taking photos. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> well, come on, we've got to enjoy life a bit. Mm. Like, just, it's things to remember things by. Well, like, it's, come inter- on. it's interesting you bring that up because I think recent apocalyptic fiction has kind of dealt with that idea. 
in um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, that's the second one, they want to restore power to their local settlement. And one reason that's so important is because one of the main characters has got a digital photo album. They've got a digital photo frame with photos of their family and things like that. So that's why getting the power is so important. Well, this touches on it too in some of the song lyrics um, about how we're all... Like, there's a song called Human Voice. and Yeah, and they want to connect with each other. But um, talk face-to-face rather than yeah. through a screen or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and later on, Chris drops his phone in a zombie scuffle and goes back to get it. And, um, I forget the character's name. And Steph says, like, it's just a bit of plastic and metal, what you're doing. And he says, like, all of my photos are on there and are people who I love and people who I care about. So, yeah, it's it's not... Obviously, people can be quite vain about it, but there is a real, genuine but attachment honestly, and sentimentality to it. Honestly, though, what is wrong with being vain? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, there's as a, long as it's not a detriment to somebody else. What is the problem yeah. with people wanting to be vain? Exactly, and it's also like there's a reason people want to spend several pounds a month or several pounds a year to try and get their photos in a safe and secure place that they can always access, like a cloud or like a. a online photo album there's a reason people want that because they want to have they want that secure documentation of of their lives in the women's toilets anna and steph find the cleaning lady zombified in one of the cubicles but steph crushes her head under a toilet seat and they are then beset upon by a stag party who crash through the walls um yeah it's a good kill that one Mm, what the toilet seat one yeah Mm, i liked it um, but this scene has got loads of great um, kills as well. Because yeah. they're armed with bowling balls and other improvised weapons and the four fight off the zombies. This must have been fun to choreograph and come together. Because they f- they think of very inventive ways to kill the zombies. Yeah, so the stag party were drunk at the bowling alley beforehand. Yeah, they, they were the And group... then they come back as zombies. Yeah, they were the group who were, who Anna and John were, were serving the night before. Night time falls and at the school and the bowling alley they lose power. On the horizon, flames and explosions can be seen as our cast sing for those who they miss and want to be reunited with again in human voice. And this is my favourite song. This is my favourite scene in the film. Is it? Yeah, because they're, they're looking out into the, the... There's some really beautiful shots of them just looking outside and they are being lit by the flames and the explosions happening outside as the army comes in to try and fight off the zombies. I think this is my second favourite song. Oh, I know what your favourite song is. I need a human voice Something that I can hold on to In all this static noise but yeah, yeah, I think it's a great song. It's a really good one, and it touches upon what you were saying earlier about the the need for for connection in in in, in many forms, even if it is just digitally or over a phone well, or a laptop. Well, they want the human interaction because they've been cut off and they can't mm-hmm. even access it through their phones and stuff. I mean, it's very real to now, isn't it? Like. Mm-hmm. We've not seen family members in a very long time. Oh yeah, face to face. Human voice is the, is or friends. Yeah, it, it's the song of twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Human voice. The four students wake up the next morning in the ball pit. Uh, they look out the window, hoping to find the army, but instead find all of the soldiers have turned into zombies. Clearly, the fight didn't go well for them. Still determined to get to the school, however, Chris has the best idea. 
We then cut to the four of them carrying the inflatable ball pit, using it as cover as they walk towards their destination. <laughs> it's pretty genius, though. It's, it's a good, I do like it. It's a good idea, and it's a funny visual as well. Uh, this My favourite bit, though, is when this old lady zombie... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, they settle down, for they stop for a second... And underneath this ball pit, a uh, an old lady zombie. No, on top of it. An old lady zombie sits on top of the ball pit, uh, on top of Steph's head. Yeah, but she's a zombie. Yes, a zombie old lady sits on top of Steph's. <laughs> and she's and she, the, she plays it so well. Just the look of the look on her face as she has no idea what to do. And the do. others are all trying not to laugh, and then this old lady zombie starts pissing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's oh it's okay you've, you're covered in plastic warm plastic it's a great uh, great gag but they are saved by Nick and some of his chav friends um, after a night of zombie killing and looting Nick's dad worked for the military but it seems he didn't survive the night but Nick's friends arm up and fight off another group of zombies in Yaz's favourite song Soldier at War yeah this is my favourite song what do you like about this oh it's just really cool isn't it, it is yeah it's it's like it's a anti-villain song, isn't it? It's an anti-hero song. Yeah, yeah. And the the actor uh, Ben Wiggins as Nick, he's amazing in it. He he fully commits to it. He's yeah. he's very, he's very much enjoying this. He's dancing on top of the cars. He's attacking and fighting the zombies. What I like about this character, though, we'll learn more about him later. But his tough guy stance—it's not a put on. Like he—he's there to like fight zombies. He's not just going to let his friends do it. He does get stuck into the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's someone who. No, he's a good character. He's believable. Yeah. There are people like that out there. Yes, he can be a dickhead, but yeah. he's also all right. You also want him on your side in the yeah. zombie apocalypse, don't you? I know what, what I'm, I'm fighting for. for. I'm, I'm a soldier in war. Yeah, this is, a, <laughs> this is a great song. This is so good. Uh, at the school, Arthur Savage tries to maintain control, but everyone is packing up their belongings to make a move since there's no help coming. Savage sits down next to a door where he can hear many zombies trying to get inside. We then rejoin our heroes, joined by Nick and his friends, making their way through an abandoned outdoor retail park. Anna says that despite everything happening, she still plans to travel once this is all over. And she lets John down gently by saying he's her best friend. Mm. See, I like this because... um, Oh no, I can't say it yet. I'll come back to this point. Okay, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, put a pin in that. Nick suggests cutting through a Christmas tree emporium as a shortcut to get to the school. However, it's not long until zombies start attacking and the group gets separated amongst the Christmas trees and Nick's friends all get turned. They appear to get to safety, but while John tries to impress Anna with his reindeer name knowledge, he gets bitten and he sacrifices himself to make sure Anna gets to safety as he's devoured by zombies. Okay, now I can say it. (laughs) Um, So, I like that she... It doesn't end up as a... They finally fell in love. She finally saw what he did for her. Yes. Kind of thing. Yes, he sacrificed his life for her, but they were just best friends. Yeah. And the amount of times, like, films are like, uh, 
she falls in love with him in the mm-hmm. end. She see, finally sees what's in front of her. It's like, no, real life doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure we've all been in instances where you've been in love with your best friend and they it's not reciprocated. Mm-hmm. No, I have. When I was at school, my best friend, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was <laughs> one of my best friends at school. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Yeah, it felt like love. It wasn't, mm. but at the time, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And it and and you know, and uh, I, I helped him get in a relationship with my other friend, and it mm. really, really hurt. Oh. Well, yeah. like, but in, Anna in this film doesn't like take advantage, no, advantage no. of that. Like she knows she's not dumb, but she doesn't lead him on. No, of and, course not. Yeah, and even if she did, like it's not. It is not her fault. She doesn't love you like that. Yeah, exactly. But like, obviously, John's a bit upset about it, but he doesn't like try and save Push Anna. Push it either. No, yeah, like he, he knows. Like okay, yeah, I, I'm. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and John is like a, a good-natured enough character. Like, I, I really like him in this film. He's a good-natured enough character that I think no matter who he was next to then, he would have done the done exact it, same yeah, thing to save yeah. like, It's not like, oh, I love Anna, so I'm going to save her. I think if Chris or Steph would have... Maybe not Nick. But if, <laughs> if if Chris or Steph had been in that same situation, he probably would have done the same. Yeah. But the casting of John by Malcolm Cumming is, is a, is, he's a bit of an outlier in the cast. He's one. He was the only main actor who didn't have an agent. He was in his final year at drama school, uh, so he was selected for this role. Uh, this is like one of his first his first big role, basically. And he was an, an unrepresented actor who they kind of took a chance on. And he's really good. good. Going, yeah, he, yeah. It wor- worked out for them. Yeah, he's really great in this film. He's really good. So Anna, much to Steph, Chris's, and Nick's horror, mows down a large group of zombies in anger before we cut to the three arriving at the school as night falls. So inside the school, they find Arthur Savage alone in the reception, eating his Christmas dinner. Like a proper psychopath. <laughs> yeah, but he, he gets a great line. He says they almost left. What are you doing? I'm eating my Christmas dinner, Miss North. I expect you'll be wanting to see your parents. You're very lucky children. Because they almost left. He's got a he's got a very deep voice considering his really thin frame. But it's it's a, he's an intimidating um head teacher. So Arthur reveals that he let the zombie horde inside so that the parents, the students, the staff, they couldn't leave in a last-ditch effort to retain control of the school. Behind the safety of metal shutters, Arthur blows a whistle, alerting the zombies to the group's presence as they run and split up to find their families. And Arthur even gets his own villain song in Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now. Nothing's gonna stop me now. Nothing's gonna stop me Madman. He's psychotic, yes. Uh, I, for this song, I'm glad that they did cut out the Whose Side Are You On song, because this being uh, Arthur Savage's first like big musical number, it makes the, the, psych, the psychopath aspect really... Yeah. Um, it makes it stick out more. And he's dancing around the kitchen, he's kicking everything around. Uh, he's clearly having a hell of a fun time with this musical number. Anna and Nick go to find Anna's dad, while Steph goes with Chris to try and find her car keys and Lisa. Lisa is found alive and well, but Chris's gran died of heart failure. 
The three head to Arthur's office to try and find the keys, so Steph sneaks inside, crouched down hiding under tables to avoid detection from the horde. However, the zombies seem distracted by the bright Christmas decorations on the ceiling, allowing her to get past them. She gets her keys inside, um, however, in the uh, lost in the confiscated lost property basket that she has, she finds a vibrator, which starts going off and repulses her, and she's like, Ugh! and that attracts the zombie horde outside. So Chris and Lisa turn on a TV in the corner of the room to distract the zombies, plugging in Chris's camera phone to play footage off of it. But as they try to crawl out of the room, the phone battery starts dying, so the zombies attack, biting Lisa and Chris. The two embrace each other as they slowly start turning as Steph sadly escapes after waving goodbye. And this is a very sad scene because the two they're, they're in is. teenage they're in teenage love and yeah, yeah, but they get to die together, which is what they wanted. I guess though. they get to be together forever that way. They do. That's their Hollywood ending, I guess. Yeah. So meanwhile, Anna and Nick talk about their unresolved issues, with Nick revealing that his dad asked him to kill him after being bitten, which sounds quite traumatizing to do. Yeah, definitely. So, but he, he he doesn't just say that. He says, "Do the right thing for once." Yeah. Um, so yeah. It, yeah, you can see how having a father figure like that and having to do that would kind of really mess you up and give you a few issues. Uh, but a group of zombies arrive, which Nick distracts so Anna can find her father, and he starts singing his own song again, which I mm. thought was really fun. In the school assembly hall, Anna finds Savage on stage with her dad tied to a chair as zombie bait and challenges her to reach him, fighting past the zombie audience to the song Give Them a Show. And this is one of the big showstopper fight scenes as well. And in the director's cut, there's a great kill where she stabs one in the eye with a bunch of pencils. So raise the curtain, hear the light strike up the band for the final night. And if it is my time to go, I'll give them one hell of a show. You're a silly wee girl. You're a mad man. Guess the truth can be hard to hear sometimes. You've been losing your mind and it's sad man. No, I finally see where I once was blind and I have never felt so much bliss. Oh, how can you take pleasure in this? So she reaches the stage and unties her dad, who then proceeds to punch Arthur in the stomach. And this is the insult of the week. You roly-poly, pig-faced pleb. A scuffle ensues on stage with Arthur armed with a broken bottle, but Arthur gets knocked off the stage into the zombie horde by the large star decoration that nearly hit him earlier. And that was a really cool callback to earlier. However, Tony has to stay behind as he was bitten in the leg by a zombie during the fight. The two share one last hug. They say goodbye to each other. Uh, He tells her to bugger off, which I found really charming. Uh, And Anna leaves with Nick. And... In one of my favourite moments, Nick talks Anna out of killing her dad. Because uh, Anna's like, do, like, do you want me to, to kill you? And Nick's like, no, don't, no, you don't want to do that. And the dad agrees. I thought that was a really nice moment for, for Nick. Outside, Steph and Nick prepare to fight off the zombies as she sings, I will believe. And we get um, some... We get some cutaways to what happened to the zombie friends. So you've got Chris and Lisa. They're still in that room in the school, but they walk past each other and their hands briefly touch because uh, they're still in love, even though they're zombified. And we also see a zombified John enjoying his light-up Christmas jumper <laughs> in the tree emporium, which was morbid but adorable. Where is the light that used to shine? Oh, 
However, before they can start fighting, Steph shows up in her car, saving them all. The three, the last survivors, drive away from Little Haven to try and find some place safe, as Zombie Santa snarls at the camera for a last jump scare. We also get fun animated credits, which end with a tribute to Ryan W. McHenry. What a great concept. Yes, it is brilliant. But we've already said before, but Yaz... What did you think of Anna and the Apocalypse? Yeah, I really like this film. Yeah, there's um, a reason you chose this one. Yeah, it sounds mad like a zombie musical, but it's just everything that I kind of love in one thing. Yeah. Just a weird, freaky monster stuff with mm-hmm. musicals. I think they should make more. <laughs> yeah, I think any any uh, format... We need more horror musicals, guys. <laughs> yeah, any genre and format can be livened up with zombies and music. I think that's that's the lesson we've learned here. Yeah, I like it because it's a little indie flick. It's done really well. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really talented because you can't make a mistake in a low-budget bu- film because mm-hmm. it'll just become obvious, yeah. whereas... You know, you can get some crappy actors in Hollywood ones because yeah. uh, they can just... You just get away with it. Yeah. But, but even though this is a low-budget indie, it doesn't feel cheap. Like, no. There, there's some there's some really inventive direction and visuals. The makeup is consistently strong. There's some great kills and gore. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, like, the majority of it's all practical as well. Like, there's the great... There's a great kill early on where one zombie gets their skull crushed by two bowling balls mm-hmm. and we get a great practical effect of a skull being like destroyed and brain splattering out of it. It's great. Yeah, so the makeup was really impressive with this. I was I was looking in the credits to see if there's anyone that I recognised, but I didn't really recognise anybody's name. But the team did a great job and it was nice to see a long list of makeup artists as well. Yes. So, um because there was a lot of work that went into it because mm. obviously all the zombies and not I don't think all of them had prosthetics on but there was very detailed the ones that were close up definitely did yeah yeah um and there was obviously like skulls and stuff made that were bashed in and stuff like that mm. yeah there was a lot of good makeup effects in it yeah um, and I liked the colour palette for mm. the zombies as well there was a mixture somewhere like a greeny, yellowy sort of colour. Yeah, like a light brown as well. And... Yeah, and some were like more of a mottled, purple, grey tone, mm. which was quite nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they, they weren't, some of them were more stylized, and some of them were the more like just walking corpses that you'd come to expect. It's a nice mix in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my favourite makeup moments in the film as well is near the end when Savage gets knocked off the stage and you, the zombies start eating his stomach and his innards and yeah, stuff Yeah, that's like good. That. There's that... a lot of good fake body parts and stuff. Mm. Um, it would have taken a long time to prep all this stuff, so yeah, so kudos to those. So props to the entire production yeah. team. The dance choreographers, the the... The, the fight um, the fight choreographers as well because there's action and music yeah so yeah a, a really great um, collaborative effort as are all films but it's it's just great to also just see it all come together on in like just big elaborate musical numbers as well especially something like this because like they don't have a huge budget mm-hmm. so you really feel the team effort of everyone pulling together yeah yeah, it's, which it, is nice we talk, yeah it, it, another zombie film we talked about was One Cut of the Dead and that's yeah, a film that's all that about that feels like it too yeah, yeah collaborating to make a zombie film because the zombie genre is like the go to 
what would you call it? Like um, uh, the the startup movie team, like um, uh, the grassroots ones, where you, you've got nothing. Let's make a zombie film. Yeah. The songs as well. Like if if this was just like I think without really great music, this could have dragged. This this might have been a bit of a chore to watch. But all of the songs. I can't really name a bad one. No, they are enjoyable. Yeah, we've got favourites, but I don't think we can name a, a bad song in it. And and even the one of the weaker ones, like Which Side Are You On, which was in the director's cut, it's still a good number. Yeah. It's, it's still a good one that I enjoy listening to. So yeah, as we said before, this got released in Fantastic Fest in 2017. Got a limited release in, in 2018, went to DVD and home media. You can get a, you can get a special edition Blu-ray of it. And uh, the titular Anna, uh, Ella Hunt, has also starred this year in another coming-of-age music film, Cat and the Band, which I've heard really good things about, but I need to check that out. Um, so that is Anna and the Apocalypse. Do you have any other thoughts, Yaz? Or... No, it's just a really cool little film. You can mm. just put it on, switch your brain off, just watch it and enjoy it, and the songs will get stuck in your head. Yes, you've got a couple of those on your uh, Christmas playlist, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Shoved it on the Christmas <laughs> playlist. But yeah, and in the apocalypse, terrific, like terrific, like indie musical. I'm destined to be a cult film. Um, yeah, I just wish more people would see it. Yeah, I think as time goes by, and every Christmas, every year, more people bring it up. There was actually back in March a watch along, like an online Twitter watch along for End of the Apocalypse. Um, but. Yeah, I, so I think more people are noticing it, and it is getting a bit more traction. As hopefully, as this will help spread the word too. Yes, and do check it out. It is it is great fun. Yes, and um, and of course, like it all once again comes down to uh, the the brilliant Ryan McHenry taken too yeah. early as well, and uh, it actually just pure timing on our part. Uh, this week would have been his birthday as well, uh, December thirteenth. So. Um, so this one is for you, Yes, Ryan. so, yes, so uh, we raise our glasses. We're talking about your films. Yes, uh, and hopefully many others do as well. We raise our glasses to, to Ryan, um, as uh, Ryan Gosling did as well, finally eating his cereal as well in the end. Uh, and uh, you've got a terrific Christmas film here as well. So yeah. you'll, you'll be a Christmas staple for years to come. Speaking of Christmas films that have become staples, next Monday, yeah. next Monday we talk about one that I have selected. Because yes, you chose Anna and the Apocalypse, but I'm in charge for the next week. But I think you're going to like this one. So the other week, uh, the other the other day actually, we watched uh, a film for the first time called Trick or Treat. Oh yes, I've been wanting to watch it for ages. Yes, we finally got around to it. it. But you cannot buy it in the UK. Yeah. It's either always sold out or just like you just can't get hold yeah. of it. Or like very expensive collector's yeah. editions. So, but we finally got around to watching it. Really good horror film. But we'll add it to the wheel for the next lot. So we'll talk about it at yeah. some point. However, with director Michael Doherty, he thought, okay, I've made trick or treat. I've conquered Halloween. He thought, he thought a few years later, I'm going to conquer Christmas. So he made Krampus uh, in 2015. And we're going to talk about Krampus next Monday. This is a film I've been wanting to sit you down and watch for a long time. I know, but the more you tell me to watch it, the more you re- you the... I don't. Yeah, so ba- basically every time I said, yes, watch Krampus, you deliberately delay watching Krampus by a year. <laughs> But now I've, we've got a podcast, yes, so now I have so to. so I have to watch it. Exactly, yes. So next Monday we'll be talking about Krampus. But thank you so much for listening to us talk about Anna and the Apocalypse this week. Uh, this is our penultimate 2020 episode. For Christmas we'll take a couple of weeks off. 
Yeah, we've been doing this since... We've done like 25, 26 episodes by now. So we started this in June. So it's nearly six months yeah. old. So, yeah, so yeah, so we've been doing this uh, every Monday for almost six months. Yeah, so we're almost six months old. Exactly. So, but, but we'll be coming to uh, to the end of our 2020 season uh, next week. We're going to take two weeks off for Christmas. But the show goes on. So please join us next week for Krampus. But if you have seen Krampus or Anna and the Apocalypse, please let us know what you thought of the film. So you can do so on our social media, which are... Yaz, what's our social media? Good question. No, I'm joking. I've remembered it this time. Oh, I remembered. No, take it six, six months. months. Only six months. Yeah. Um, actually, no. I've remembered the social media nearly every episode. Yeah. It was the beginning of the episode that I can never remember. But six months on, I've cracked it, guys. Exactly. Yep. Um, uh, for season two, we're going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us on Twitter at MonsterMonPod. You can find us on Instagram at MonsterMondayPod. And Facebook is the same as Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week. My name is Will. My name is Yaz. And this has been the Monster Monday podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.